This episode contains descriptions of violence and sexual assault. Discretion is advised. This is the Cul-de-Sac Insomniac, and I'm Ophelia. And I'm Tori, and we're going to keep you up all night. Hi, Tori. Hi, Ophelia. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. We're into October now. Very exciting. Oh, it's coming up on one year. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. A that's whole crazy. Year they let us do this. Well, we let us do and it. And no one stopped us, though. No, but that's no one, fair. Yeah. No one's actually... It seems put, weird. It, yeah. It seems like somebody should really be checking in on these things. Yeah. But, but clearly no one is. Here we are. They're busy closing all the portals we open. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Spooky month. Very exciting. Woohoo! Yeah. Are you doing anything for Halloween? Not that I know of. Yeah, same. Pretty much never. I basically just stay in my house all the mm-hmm. time. So, you know. Last year, I didn't even hand out candy. I just put a bunch in a bowl and put it on the front stoop because... Right. Yeah. Germs. Children. Children make you want to throw up, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't I don't give out candy where I live at all because I live like in a condo in a building and so kids just like yeah. don't come around. So. And also, here's what I don't get. Mm-hmm. If the black eyed kids wanted to get into places, just go around on Halloween. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If I thought they had a greater understanding of our culture, I think they would. I just don't think yeah. they quite get it. I don't think they're following. They're, they're not. Yeah, they're not good at no. getting in. House. No. Well, that we know of because mm-hmm, we only true. hear from the people who didn't let them in. So do you want to hear what I found out this week? I do, yeah. Humans have stripes that only cats can see. What the fuck? Why? Why do we have stripes? I I don't know. I can't uh, see them. I don't like that information. I'm not sure how they know cats can see them. They must... That's well, my question. How are you asking the cats? Do you have, like, cat vision goggles that shows you what cats can see? Do cats think we know about the stripes? Oh. Do cats know that they have stripes? I think well, they don't all have stripes. No, I know, or but do they? some have stripes. Do they? But people have different kinds of stripes. Yeah, there's like eight different patterns or something. But it's just a difference in in skin tone that's so slight our eyes can't pick it up. But you can get some conditions that can make them visible. But mm-hmm. I've never ever ever seen a person with stripes, so no, it can't either. be that common. Right. It mustn't be. I kind of feel like we could have had visible stripes and tails. Yeah, we could have. So did we have visible stripes at some point? I don't know, because, like, no, like, monkeys or apes or anything have stripes, right? So. Well, we can't probably see them if they do. Good point. That's, yes. That's a very good point. Does everything have stripes and we just can only see the really, really contrasting ones? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Oh, that's really bizarre. I don't want to think about it anymore. I want to know what kind of stripes I have. Why do we have stripes and not dots? Like, you think if it was a different or just random patterns, why? wonder why it goes in stripes. No idea. Way over my pay grade. I wonder if there's a type of light you could shine on a person and show the stripes. Cat eyeball light. Cat light. Cat light. I want to know what type of stripes I have. I don't think dogs can see it. I don't think dogs have very good eyesight compared to cats. My dogs can't see anything. They can smell and hear like anything, but they cannot see very well. Yeah. Yeah, I believe it. 
So that's all I got. It's all the weird stuff I got. Nothing weird happened to me. Anything weird happened to you? No, not that I can think of, actually. Everything's been pretty chill, I have to say. I've been working a lot, which is exhausting. Yeah, work is stupid. Work is stupid. Like I said, the only thing worse than work is not having work. Well, yeah, that's the thing, right? Well, like, it just, why won't... It's dumber than not than work, right? but work right. is also dumb. I want the money. I don't want the work. Got it. All right. Today, I have a um, really bad story for you. Oh, I'm not going to lie. Um, it's really depressing, which is why I'm going first this week, because I said, you know what? Maybe your story will be, like, slightly less depressing than my story. And we're going to have tiramisu later, so we're going to bring the room down, mm-hmm. and then we're going to bring it back up with, with a treat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A ghost story treat. All right. Well, hit me with your terrible, awful story. All right. This one's um, relatively recent oh, and in Australia. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> so at least I feel, it's far I feel away. a little better because it's not near me, but sorry, it's Australia. It's true. So, on August 31st, 1998, Jenny Ryan dropped off her 14-year-old daughter, Natasha, at school in their hometown of Rockhampton in Queensland, Australia. I knew you wouldn't like this one, like, from the jump, yeah. But, unfortunately, Natasha never made it to her homeroom. So, Natasha, who'd only turned 14 in May, had run away once before, just a few months earlier, in July of 1998. She had apparently run to her boyfriend, the local milkman, Scott Black, who was 21 years old at the time, which is, like, already, like, big Mm, yikes. mm -hmm. And also, like, did you have a milkman in 1998? I didn't have a milkman, but there was a milkman in our neighborhood. Really? Yep. Wow. In that time? That's crazy. In in the last house that I had, even, which I just moved out of a couple years. Yeah, they had, there was a milkman and a couple people got... That's crazy. I really, to me, that is like such a bygone era. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, I can't imagine in my lifetime that there have been milkmen. But apparently there are. I wanted to have that milkman just for old time. Right. And then you don't have to buy milk. The milk comes to you. But two problems. It was really expensive. And also I'm lactose intolerant. So Mm, it didn't really seem like. I can see a variety of problems (laughs) coming up with this. It yeah. seemed like a lot of money to I wonder if just now there's nostalgia. like an almond milkman and an oat milkman. And a coconut milkman. <laughs> right. Like, are, do they have like competing territories? The guy just comes around with coconuts <laughs> and just squeezes it into a bottle. I have to believe that that's what it is. Like, there's no other way that this could be. Okay. So, Natasha, like I said, had run away. She'd gone to her much older boyfriend, Scott Black, um, and he helped her by putting her up in a motel. She was found just two days later, and she was returned to her family. But Jenny Ryan said that this time felt different from that time. Unfortunately, when she told police that her daughter was missing, they did what they pretty much always do, which is like, oh, well, she just ran away. Like, basically, she already ran away once before. Okay, so go find her. Yeah, just like try looking, like a little bit. (sighs) Just like try it all. You know what I mean? I get that she's not here. I understand that. In fact, I called you about that. I need you to go and get her. Exactly. Figure out where it is that she is at. Right. Exactly. So obviously Natasha's older boyfriend, Scott, was under a good amount of scrutiny since he'd helped her in her last runaway attempt. Um, But he maintained that he hadn't seen Natasha since her disappearance and there wasn't any evidence to prove that he had anything to do with the fact that she was missing. Natasha's mother didn't think that it was very likely that her daughter would have run away again without the help of her much older boyfriend. But as time continued to pass, Natasha's family became more and more concerned for her. 
In May of 1999, nearly a year after her disappearance, her mother said, I don't believe Natasha would have let me go through all this pain if she was out there. So they're really starting to think like mm-hmm. the absolute worst, which is really sad. So months go by and it's clear that something is definitely happening in Rockhampton that's not good. Between the months of September of 1998 and April of 1999, bodies of young women who've been raped and murdered begin to be discovered. So, not good. And Rockhampton is, like, a pretty small town, too, so probably even more disturbing. The police came under scrutiny since it was starting to become more and more obvious that Natasha could have been a victim of the burgeoning serial killer in Rockhampton, right? Like, she's a young person who has gone missing, and they're finding all these bodies all around the same time. It's really chilling that you can drop your kid off and they don't get to homeroom. Like, you're right there. Right. Yeah. And I drop my kid off in the morning and I yeah. watch him go. But I always think, you know, I can't sit in the pickup line. Mm-hmm. I want to watch him go right in the door. But like, right. you hear about people, they watch their kid go in and then no one ever sees them. Like, what right. What happens? What How happens? does that happen? Right. Exactly. No, and like, there's that's the thing. Like, you have to have some amount of trust, right? Like, you can't follow your kid every single place that they go. But I know. wanted to chip him when he was a baby. I did. I asked yeah. the doctor. Can you know how mm-hmm. people you do chip cats? their pets? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I had chipped my pets. I said, "Can I?" And she said, "Are you asking me if you can GPS your baby?" I said, "Yeah." She said, "No, <laughs> no one's that's ever asked that not before. a thing." <laughs> and she was like, horrified. And I said, "Well, don't worry. We'll get him a cell phone, and then he'll I mean, basically be chipped, and he'll just take it everywhere, and then he'll... exactly no problem." But yeah. you know, if someone gets hold of someone, they can right. ditch your cell phone. If you personally are like, let's find my kid. Him. Yeah, Lojack. Find my kid. Mm, There we go. Find my person. Find my person, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Surprised they didn't let you chip your son. I feel like... I feel like, honestly, it's not that far into the future. I I feel like it sounded... It was shocking when he was born, but I bet now people are like, yeah, okay, yeah, let's chip them. Yeah, I think that could work. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like I said, the police are coming under some scrutiny about this, but they actually, like, stand by. They're like, no, we don't think that she has been a victim of the serial killer. We think that she ran away. We think she's still alive. We Um, have no evidence one way or another because we haven't really bothered to look. Haven't done anything, but. Right, exactly. And at the time, her parents were painting her as a good girl with good grades and said, like, she once even gave up her Christmas so that she could help the sick and the needy. But the police said, like, they were familiar with him and they were familiar with her and that, you know, she had been experimenting with drugs and alcohol because she's a teenager and she'd already run away once before. So they're pretty sure they're like, no, she's not a victim. She definitely just ran away, which must have been so frustrating, like, to her family, but also other people in the town thinking, like, the cops aren't even, like, trying, you know? It is frustrating, and I'll tell you that authorities do write kids off sometimes. I even remember when I was in high school, I was walking down a hall with, I had a friend, and she kind of got in trouble, and I was a good kid and took Mm -hmm. honors classes, and she was heading to the door, and she was trying to talk me into skipping school, which... I wouldn't have done. And also, you know, I was my, always too scared to. My mother knew everybody. I never would have got away. But I, I wasn't even going to try. But we were walking right. down and a teacher was coming the other way and stopped me. And he said, hey, where are you going? You got to get back to class. And I said, oh, OK. And I turned to my friend and said, come on, we got to get back to class. And he looked at me and he said, oh, don't worry about her. Like, just let her go because she had a reputation. But right. I was a quote unquote good kid. So I had to get back to class. Right. And that's, you know, like you. OK, so the kid messed up. The kid is a kid. You're the adults. Right, exactly. That's really frustrating. Mm. Oh, that's terrible. 
So finally, at Jenny's insistence, the police did complete a few searches. And at first, it seemed like they were looking to find Natasha alive. But eventually, it seemed that they were really trying to find Natasha's body. Mm -hmm. They don't find her alive or dead. And there isn't any evidence to point the police in any direction for what could have happened to her. And no witnesses have come forward with any information. So this is just like she disappeared into thin air. You're just in limbo. Yeah. Yeah. It must have been awful for them. But in the year 2000, the police had a man in custody whose M.O. frequently left no evidence and no witnesses. It was pretty clear he must have been connected with Natasha's disappearance. This man was Leonard John Fraser. He's pretty well known in Australia. Um, Leonard Fraser, like a lot of the people that we talk about on this show, had a pretty unhappy childhood. And his problems with the law started when he was pretty young. So he was born in Ingham in Queensland, Australia. Sorry if I am mispronouncing like literally every single place we talk about in Australia because I do not know. So at age 15, he was sent to the Gosford Boys Home for Larceny, which I always have to Google. I always forget what larceny is. It's basically just theft. Yeah. yeah. But for some, I, my brain just like, that's one word I'm never going to know. I have to look it up every single time, <laughs> no matter what. Because it doesn't, it sounds like a fake word. It doesn't yeah, sound like a crime. I don't know why. I just, it doesn't And I don't mean know why they don't just call it theft. I don't either. And then, like, I feel like I hear the arson word inside of it, and I'm like, oh, so it's fire. We're and talking about larceny, fire. And then there's grand larceny, right. which sounds like really so cool classy. Larceny. It sounds yeah. like, but it's just stealing something of more value. That's like bigger. Yeah, right. like a yeah, car. exactly. Yeah. Well, that's Grand Theft Auto. Grand that's Theft different. Auto. Yeah, that that's not Grand Larceny Auto. Why not? Yeah. Why is that theft? And why yeah, so why isn't it just theft? I don't like know. Like misdemeanor theft, felony theft. Mm-hmm. Big big theft. Super theft. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't and then make any sense being to me. a politician, which you can just take money and it's Right, fine. exactly. And that's taxes. And it's okay. Or yeah. That's totally normal. And bribes, that's And different. we pay you Right, to do we it. give you a really big salary. Well, that's different. And then you also take money yeah. from big corporations. Mm-hmm. I don't see the problem. Yeah. Lots of words. The good gig. It, it seems, I mean, I wouldn't want to do it. <laughs> but there's lots of money in it, it seems like. So, okay, so he was born in 1951. And at age 15, like I said, he was sent to the Gosford Boys Home for larceny or theft for a year. And upon his release, um, he almost immediately started committing crimes again. Uh, He assaulted a railway guard, stole and drove several cars illegally because he was underage and didn't have a license, and committed offensive behavior. And I do not know what this offensive behavior was, (laughs) but it was clearly pretty bad. It seems like most of his behavior is pretty offensive. I've been offended by it thus far. (laughs) I'm only going to get more offended by it. It's not good. Um, But as a result of these crimes, he was sentenced to a year of hard labor as like a 15-year-old. So whatever this offensive behavior was must have been pretty bad, I have to assume. So once he got out, again, he just kind of picks up some more crimes. Um, He was pretty quickly arrested for transporting stolen goods and he was put on probation. Um, He clearly didn't care because five weeks later, he was sentenced to two weeks for theft, which like what a... He was just sentenced to a year, and why now he's getting why two weeks. Bothering. I don't it's know. Like a vacation. There's lot. The times that he goes to jail for things is like it varies wildly. Th- that's another sense. thing that that also makes me crazy. I'll read in the paper. Someone is like 24 and has been arraigned 14 times. Right. And, and, and I'm thinking, well, how about put him away for a while? Mm-hmm. And maybe yeah. at least for that time period, he's not out on the street. Right. And like actually work on rehabilitation. Yeah, so really weird sentencing happening here. Um, 
When he was about 21, he was fined $100 for living off the earnings of prostitution, a.k.a. pimping. Is And he was fined $100. So, like, again, really weird fines and sentences happening. Finally, he committed a string of robberies, landing him with a sentence of five years. Of course, he only served two of the five years of his sentence. Um, and it's very obvious that he had absolutely no rehabilitation during the time he was in prison, because just three weeks after his release, he attacked and raped a woman. And afterwards, he forced her to hold his hand as he walked her back to the road, which is just like extra gross and horrible and just like mm, just really bad a few days later he attempted to rape another woman at a dry cleaner but was interrupted and a few days after that he attacked another woman who she actually managed to convince him that she also wanted to have sex with him but like how about instead of in this gross dirty field we go back to your house and then as soon as she saw an opportunity she escaped from him so she managed to get away which like good on her that's very impressive and yeah. a really scary situation to kind of gamble on like that. So good for her. Um, but after this attack, Len was finally caught for probably one of the stupidest reasons I've ever heard in my life, which is that he dropped his wallet at the scene of his at the scene of the crime, and inside of his wallet was his birth certificate. Good, I love it. I love dumb criminals. I've never heard of a person carrying around their birth certificate, and also like, how many times is it folded to fit into your wallet? Well, maybe they get... Do they get a little tiny one? Because I think... I, I the, You used to be able to get, I think, a small lamb. I don't know if you can do mm. that anymore, but I feel like... I could be making that up, but I feel like you could get a small wallet-sized yeah. laminate one, and then somebody probably realized, hey, carrying that in your wallet's a super bad idea. Let's not do that anymore. It's like the number one way to get your identity stolen, yeah. right? Like and that's your social security card, too. Yeah. Like they, you're yeah. not supposed to carry those around. Mm-mm. No. I did for years. Oh, Yeah. My dad has always had mine, but he could steal my identity. It'd be pretty easy. He could, but I don't know if he doesn't really look Probably not worth it, frankly. Yeah, no, I probably wouldn't really be that interested. So he did confess to these attacks, but he claimed that the women had all wanted it, which kind of explains why he, like, made that woman hold his hand. And, like, this is a really gross thing that I think is relatively common with some of these kind of people that they think that this is like somehow a romantic encounter which is no i don't think i don't think they think that i think that's the excuse they use but it's always about power possible right it's always about power and exerting power and having control over someone and being horrible maybe because you feel like you never had any control right but i it i don't ascribe any even vaguely accidentally positive mm, emotion to right, it. I think right. that's the excuse that they use yeah. because as we've seen over and over again, people don't mind being shitty people. Mm-hmm. They just mind being called out for it. Right, exactly. They don't want to face any consequences whatsoever. Yeah. So he also confessed to a rape he'd committed two years earlier, an attack on a French tourist at the Sydney Botanical Gardens. He'd beaten and raped a woman pretty severely, and it seems that the only thing that stopped him from murdering her was that he was interrupted. So this is like, he's committing these crimes and like, this is, this is escalating a lot. This happened in the past, but the fact but how that are like- these happening right out in these public places and nobody's- I, I really don't Doing know. any investigative work, like no one takes it. Well, he didn't leave any evidence behind. No one took a swab. I mean, like... Well, I think this no. is, like, the 70s and 80s, right? Like, they are they don't have the same capacity. Like, and I don't, you know, not all of these either were necessarily reported. Mm-hmm. Because I think there's a lot of stigma 
especially like the further you go back in time, right, around these things kind of happening. Yeah. And if she's so a, even now, I right, mean, even now, now, right, they say what maybe. 10% get reported. So right. when they say one in four women are sexually assaulted, that right. we know of. Right, exactly. Like, here's the truth. It's definitely a lot higher than that. Yeah. Yeah. So, strangely enough, like, he hadn't even been suspected of that crime. He just, like, openly, he was like, oh, by the way, I also did this. And they had, like, they didn't, they weren't looking and, at him and, at all. And that's another thing, too. If someone survives it, they didn't get a, a description and then see him know. and say, oh, well, he kind of looks like how that other one was described. So this is at the or, Sydney or Botanical these... Gardens, right? And he's all the way out in Rockhampton. They maybe don't so communicate with each other. Maybe not, I feel especially like happens... before computers, right? They don't have this easy. So apparently now my understanding is that there's a lot more like, like here anyway, like national databases yes. and like Interpol, yeah. mm-hmm. who's looking for criminals. Those people could be anywhere in the world mm-hmm. and like places like people have committed crimes here and been caught. Uh, just recently it happened, was caught in Mexico. The Mexican police right. grabbed them right. and sent them back. They're like, yeah. we don't, we got our own murderers. We don't need you mm-hmm. here. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and in the UK it happened too. And we've done the same. Caught someone who was wanted somewhere. Mm-hmm. And back, so I feel like that's because information's being shared more right. now, and you can do it now. You got the internet. I mean, exactly. I don't yeah. know how we got anything done, honestly, before the internet. No. Well, that's a <laughs> lot it, of. A I lot didn't of have until I was thirty-five. Yeah, and I don't know how. How did you? I don't know. I don't know how you did it. You just could get away with more stuff. Right. That's And a lot of criminals used to do that. They would go like in different counties or whatever, and then there'd be no sharing of information whatsoever. And so they wouldn't realize that there is like a serial rapist or murderer or whatever operating in all these different places. They would think these were just one-off events. Think about how many crimes happened that no one ever knew about when we had no technology at all, right. not even telephones where you right. could call, mm-hmm. or you had these frontiers, or you had places operating where people would just be gone for all this time. Yep. And then also entire classes of people that nobody cared what happened exactly. to. Yeah. Oh, Things that, that weren't bad. probably classed as a crime in that society, like in the medieval era, and right. you killed a peasant, or you know, here you killed a slave, oh well, but like that would absolutely be a crime today. Right, yeah, exactly. It's terrible to think about. So... He pleaded guilty to two counts of attempted rape and two counts of rape. A psychologist assessed him and found that he was unreformable with no conscience at all, which is 0% surprising to me based on all the stuff we've learned about him. So let's let him out. You got it. The judge sentenced him with 22 years with the possibility of parole after seven years, which was the maximum amount possible. How is that? (laughs) Because it's just rape. That's the thinking at the time. Yeah. No, it's ridiculous. And here's another thing. I'm just going to go off. Yes. The, you get released for good behavior. Yeah. If you can't behave outside of jail, Mm -hmm. but you can behave inside the jail, maybe you just belong in jail. Perhaps. Perhaps. And interestingly, in this case specifically, the judge said, like, this is the maximum amount of time that I can give you. I do not think you should be released at the end of this period of time, meaning the 22 years, not the seven years, which is when he actually was released, which is even more frustrating. They're like, meh. Anyway. I guess what I don't understand, people talk about, well, someone paid their debt to society, but that doesn't make you not a serial rapist just because you... right society made up an amount of time that seems like enough. Right. And at some point, doesn't society have the right to be protected? 
Yeah, I think that like, it's very frustrating, right? Especially here, because there's all these people in prison who like smoked weed, which who that didn't hurt anybody, cause any problems for anybody. Whereas violent criminals who assault people can get out much sooner. Like, and so many states have made it legal. Yeah. That why didn't they go back retroactively and release every single person? They absolutely like there should lit. Yeah, it's it's really frustrating. It's really frustrating. And like this, it seems like there was a long period of time where they just like rape was not something that they like really cared about or saw as a, as violent of a crime as it actually is. So, like I said, Len served just seven years of this sentence and it took him less than a year to attack again. He answered an ad from a woman who was trying to sell her car and he attacked her and really horribly while he was raping her, he allowed her to call her husband so that he could taunt him while he was attacking his wife. Like, the most awful thing imaginable. And this, of course, landed Len in prison again, but only for two months. So he didn't he didn't murder her? He did not murder her. And and okay, so now another another thing I don't get is you having prior offenses and prior arrests doesn't increase I don't know how. I don't how know how much time you I I don't understand at all. And so he served two months, he didn't even lose his job. They held his job for him so that when he got out of prison, he could have his job back, which is how. How are you like, ah, whatever. And you also ought to be able to get restitution from someone for those sorts of things, too. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I you don't should. know if you can now. Like, you can sue someone sure. civilly here. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it works in Australia, but here, right. you can, even if you don't make the criminal case stick, you can sue civilly. Mm-hmm. And the... the um, well, it's like OJ, right? Like he was found. Oh, I just messed up. I completely forgot what the what the term is I was using. I can't remember. I'm sorry. But anyway, I'll go back and say that. So at least in this country, if you you can lose the criminal case, mm-hmm. but you don't have to have as much evidence, like beyond a shadow of a doubt, for right. a civil case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just have to show that you were damaged by this person's right. actions, and you can still get anything i don't know that this person had anything but mm-hmm. it could at least anywhere he goes you can be garnished right. through court order so right. there's there's ways to rectify things here that i just don't know enough about the australian yeah, system I'm not i have sure. no idea if it's a and thing. at the time right like this is still like the 80s mm-hmm. so this was still the time period when like Princess Diana had to be a virgin to marry Charles right. you know and right that's, exactly yeah <laughs> it's a very deal. different time period For the next two years, he met a woman named Pearl and they had a child together. Um, And at this time, there's no reported crimes committed by Len, which does not mean that he was not, you know, out there committing crimes. They always find somebody. They always find someone who'll get with them. It's so bizarre. It's very, very strange. I don't understand. So then after about two years, he began stalking a 21-year-old woman. And when he found an opportunity, he raped her. And the police recognized his MO. And this time, Len was sentenced to 12 years in prison. So I don't really understand. So he got out in six months. <laughs> well, this time he actually did serve the full sentence. But I don't understand why, okay, he's clearly a serial rapist. He serves a very short amount, like percentage of the time the first time then he gets he rapes someone again 
and now it's only... But even if you do it one time, and it's clearly not even... A, and I'm not excusing date rape or anything, but I'm saying it's... We're not even talking about a he said, she said situation or two people who were together. Like, I understand why if you're in a relationship and then you accuse someone of rape. I'm not saying you can't be raped if you're in a relationship. You absolutely can. But I understand why that would be tougher to prove. That's more difficult to prove. Why it's just more difficult. But with someone's a stranger, stalks someone, Mm -hmm. attacks them, like you said, in the botanical garden, beats them and rapes them. There's no question about it. Or even within a relationship, you get beaten and raped. It's abuse. So a, a violent rape. Right. Yeah, I understand. There's all sorts of evidence, too. Yeah, his M.O. was to come up behind a woman and, like, grab their arm behind their back, kind of in the way that you see, like, police do in movies Mm -hmm. so that you can't get away. And that's how they were able to identify him as being, like, the same person. So you jam your heel down on their instep. Okay. That's what I learned. And you can try to use your other elbow Mm -hmm. to hit them in the ribs or hit your head back. It depends on the height difference. Okay. Um, I'm taking notes. Get, or also if they try to get an arm around you to get like a hand in between. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I've heard go for the eyeballs too. Well, but if you're. Right. Yeah. If if you're not fit, if mm-hmm. you're facing yeah. in the same direction, you can. A little bit harder. Yeah. Yeah. During this 12-year prison stint, he became pen pals with a woman who had a terminal illness, which I don't get it. I don't get becoming pen pals with uh, serial murderers and rapists. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I don't understand. But when he was released, he moved in with her as her caretaker and romantic partner. And unsurprisingly, during their relationship, he was sexually abusive towards her, which he's a sexually abusive person, so this is not surprising information to me. She finally made her escape from him by going to Brisbane to receive medical treatment, but he followed her there, and when she told him that she wouldn't go back home with him, he raped her in the hospital's chapel because he just continually gets more and more evil. But again... You're in a place with a bunch of people. What are they doing? I don't know. I don't understand how this just like continually. Because this seems like he almost gets off on that. Yes, probably. It's entirely possible. So she never actually pressed charges against him and eventually passed away. Because like I said, she had a terminal illness. In 1998, he moved. So how did they know that happened then? He probably confessed to it later. I'm not sure. Or she may have told people and not pressed charges. Uh, And then when it started to come out, other people said, yeah, well, my friend told me this about him and we tried to get her to go to the police. And she probably thought, I'm not wasting what time I have left. Possibly. On this. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely possible. In 1998, he moved back to Rockhampton with a new girlfriend, a 19-year-old woman with a developmental disability. He was then evicted from their apartment building after apparently molesting a child as well as a dog and later poisoning the dog. Because just like worse, 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 worse. Because the dog's going to tell? I have no idea. I think he just is such a terrible, bad, evil person that there's no line, obviously. Yeah. So not long after this, Leonard Fraser committed his most heinous crime that we know about. And at this point, things are really only going to get worse. So warning for that. Oh, this was the good part? Yeah, unfortunately, this was the less less bad bad part part at the beginning. According to an eyewitness, nine-year-old Kira Steinhardt was walking home from school when a man ran to catch up with her and knocked her unconscious and then fled. According to who? Witnesses? An eyewitness. Eyewitness? Who, for some reason, after seeing this, did not call the police because 20 minutes later, he came back and put Kira in his car and drove away. 
I don't know what this person was doing that they didn't call the cops until after he came back. Australia, you're letting me down. This is, yeah. You're, basically, everyone in Australia is letting me down right, right now. Right, Yeah, and I was listening to another podcast So about she this. was just laying there for 20 minutes? I guess, Like, yeah. knocked out, and the eyewitness... Mm-hmm. Right, and then when he came back and put her in his car, that's when they were like, oh, shit, now I have to call the police. Which, like, okay. 20 minutes late, like, the kid was yeah. laying there for 20 minutes, yes. and at no point you thought... I could go help. I could call the police. I could find somebody else who can call the police. No. None of the above. Somehow. I don't... Yeah. I was listening this, to another podcast, and they said, like, they must have been doing something illegal. This, this is why I'm openly rooting for climate change at this point. <laughs> I'm team climate change. Uh, if or it team, could just climate change the bad people. Or team robot fine. overlord. Mm, I'm ready to let go. AI run this shit show. Yeah, I think we're heading in that direction. Well, it will probably be better than what we're doing, because... Yeah. Probably. So, like I said, once the car drove away with Kira, that was when the eyewitness decided to finally call police. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, she did. So. Oh, it was a woman. It was a woman, yeah. So, she described the car that she saw, and the police knew immediately that this was Len's car. For two weeks, Len denied being involved with Kira's disappearance until he finally brought the police to where he disposed of Kira's body. Len's flatmate had apparently been with him when he'd done it, and she said that she thought Kira had been a doll, not a child. Is really So odd. why was he burying a doll, you moron? I have no idea. I think this, so... I don't believe you thought that. I think that, so he had this developmentally challenged girlfriend. Oh. He, there was a school in Rockhampton gotcha. for people like that, and he would go and, like, try to, like, flirt with the women and, like, do stuff like that, so it's possible this person genuinely didn't okay. understand, you know? But still, because he's a real tough guy, he likes to. Right. He he likes to exactly have power over other people. Soft targets. Exactly. Yeah. And apparently, he told. They don't his, try it with men. You notice that they never they, do. They never try this stuff with a big, no. strong young guy. Mm-mm. No. So apparently, too, while he was disposing of her body, Len told his flatmate like not to look, and when he looked, Len punched him, punched her in the face, which is like okay, well, I just don't bring so this at person that point, with you. Did you think it wasn't a doll? Right. I don't know. I don't. No, but I think that he gets off on the voyeurism part of it. Like, how close can I come to getting caught and not getting caught? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely possible. So the police searched Len's car and discovered traces of blood matching Kira, as well as that of an unknown woman. So this is Kira's blood is not the only blood in his car. For Kira's murder, Len was sentenced to indefinite life, which was something that was pretty new at the time, I think, in Australia. A sentencing which required the approval of a parole board, as well as the Supreme Court justice for Len to be released on parole from prison. So this time they were like, okay, that's, he's going away for good. It's going to be 38 rapes is enough. That's our line. Literally, literally. Okay, you murdered a child. Now you can go to prison, even though he's clearly been very violent And maybe you'll be there forever. Maybe not. But some people can vote on it. Right. Least. How about letting the people affected by it vote on it? How about just letting her parents vote on it? That's a really interesting idea. And also, the one who didn't call 911, how about we throw her in there, too? Yeah, that's really frustrating. That, like, if she had just done anything. Well, wouldn't you run over and say yes. to a little girl, are you okay? would Honey, you? come on, or at least, even if you don't call 911, can you, what's your mother's number? Can we call your parent? Right, right. Because if she was out for 20 minutes... yeah. That's serious. She could have had a brain bleed or yes, something. Very easily. Like she might not have survived That's a long anyway. time to be out. Yeah. To still be there. And imagine if you're the parents who are like, this person could have saved my kid's life mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and just didn't. Was too selfish to do anything about it. Yeah. 
really awful. Police did not believe that Kira was his first or only victim. They later discovered that Len kept ponytails of women that he'd murdered, likely as trophies, and there were more ponytails than known victims. In the area, four more women had gone missing between September of 1998 and April of 1999. Beverly Lego was a 36-year-old woman who'd met Len at a hostel and was last seen at a bank in Rockhampton. Julie Turner was a 39-year-old woman who worked with Len, and one night she decided to walk home from a bar since she didn't have any money to get home, and she was never seen again. Sylvia Benedetti was just 19 years old and had no known connection to Len, but her blood was discovered at an abandoned hotel by the demolition crew and was later matched to the blood found in Len's car. The last missing person was Natasha Ryan, we talked about at the beginning of the story, and at this point she's been missing for two years. It's starting to become pretty clear that Len must have been involved in Natasha's disappearance, but like I said before, there really isn't any evidence at all of what had happened to her. So the police convinced Len's cellmate to become an informant, and it becomes obvious that Len has told him all about all of his different crimes. So I just want to say one thing. Mm -hmm. Earlier you said he was known for not leaving evidence, but I don't agree that he didn't leave evidence. Mm -hmm. I think people just kept dropping the ball. I think that I don't think they looked for any evidence. That's definitely possible. Because rape kits are not new. They've been around a long time. Yeah. When I was young, in my early 20s, so this is going back, I'm in my mid-50s now, so Mm -hmm. this is going back 30 years, and I had a friend Mm -hmm. who did get raped and had a rape kit done. So this isn't new. Right. Now, maybe the advances in technology Mm -hmm. and how much we can find out is new, Mm -hmm. but they have been able to gather some sort of evidence anyway. And with these sorts of violent attacks, Mm -hmm. there was evidence. When they looked in the trunk, they found blood. So it's not true that he didn't leave evidence. He had witnesses. He had evidence. He was in public places. He was... I, I know that the surveillance state is not was not then what it is right. now, but so so he he did leave right evidence. Yeah. He wasn't that smart, mm-hmm. yeah. Except for the fact that he probably understood that there was a very laissez-faire system in place. Yeah. So maybe he was smart in that way, but it really doesn't seem to have taken a rocket scientist to right. beat this law enforcement system. Right. Yeah. Definitely true. Anyway, rant over. Continue. <laughs> Len finally agreed to show the police where the bodies were, as long as they didn't involve the media. So by this point, Sylvia's body had already been found. Um, It was discovered by some surfers, and Len brought them to the bodies of Beverly and Julie, but he told them that he couldn't remember where he'd left Sylvia's body and where he'd left Natasha's body. Not long after Len's confession of Natasha's murder was what would have been her 17th birthday. Her family held a memorial for her, now knowing for sure that Leonard Fraser had murdered her, which is really sad. The police clearly have enough to convict him, even though Natasha's body still hasn't been found. So did they say how he got her before she got to homeroom? No, that wasn't really explained. I'd be interested to see the layout of the school, like where you would drop her off. uh, Yeah. Did her mom drop her off in a corner and she walked the rest of the way? I don't know. I don't really know. I'm not sure. Huh. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, I'm just curious about that. But continue. I'm sorry. I keep, <laughs> I keep <laughs> no, I know. That's a sticking I want point. to know I more. Right. Yeah. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. Bizarrely, even though he'd confessed and literally brought police to two of his dumping sites, he pleaded not guilty in his trial in 2003, mm. which is like, that's a, well, you seem pretty guilty okay. since you know where yeah. the bodies are. And also you confessed. 
So I don't really I know. did it, but I'm not guilty. But of I'm not doing guilty it. of doing it. I have that. zero guilt whatsoever. That's probably what he was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> to remind you, he's already in prison, almost definitely for life for murdering Kira. So I don't really know what the point is of pleading not guilty. Like you're gonna get more well, life no, it, it, term? because it's just more control. Yeah, probably. Oh, I can yank these people around, and I could make them come in and have to give witness statements, yeah. and I can force us all to go through this trial, and I'll be the center of attention, and I'm just screwing with people some more because I can. Right, right. Natasha's boyfriend, Scott Black, testified to not having seen or spoken with Natasha since her disappearance in August of 1998. Len's cellmate testified that Len told him he'd killed Natasha after she'd gotten pregnant with his child. During the trial, the police received an anonymous letter. A child help phone line had recently gotten a call from a girl whose circumstances made it seem like she could be Natasha Ryan. They decided to check out Scott Black's house one more time, and when they opened an upstairs closet door, they were shocked to find Natasha Ryan sitting in the closet alive and well. What? She was alive the that entire time. That is a plot time. twist. That is a plot so twist. So he said that he killed her and he He said didn't? he killed her. Couldn't remember where he put her body. But he had stabbed her and buried her body. But he clearly didn't. Yeah. What the? Okay. Well, I wasn't expecting. I didn't think you would be. That. <laughs> yeah. Truly crazy. You tricked me, Tori. I sure did. Good job. Thank you very much. I'm really happy about that. I'm proud of you. Thanks. <laughs> For nearly five years, Natasha had lived undetected in Scott's beachside home in Yapoon. The curtains were always drawn in the house to prevent anyone from seeing Natasha inside. She slept during the day and would spend the nights awake. Occasionally, under the cover of dark, she and Scott would walk on the beach in the middle of the night. Whenever Scott's family came to visit, she would hide in an upstairs closet until they left. She learned to sew her own clothes from Scott's clothes so that there wouldn't ever be any suspicion put on Scott for going and buying women's clothes. Um, and they made sure that they kept the house in a way that it didn't seem like a woman lived there because the police obviously came here and questioned him a bunch of times. They were never able to get a search warrant. So I think if they had been able to, obviously they would have found her because she was in the house. Wouldn't right? you think if someone's missing that anyone connected to them, you could just get a search warrant? I guess not. You have to have enough evidence. It can't just be like, well, you know her, therefore I can look in your house. You know, there has to be like real actual something points to it, which you would think he's clearly a pedophile because he's 21 and she's 14, that that would be enough information. But apparently it wasn't at the time. So was she there willingly? Yes. She was there willingly. So how did they get a call from the child helpline? Somebody else a, called maybe? I think she did call. I think she was probably at a certain point feeling a little overwhelmed having been trapped in this house for five years. Yeah. You know? And at the time, Scott was living his life like entirely normally. He would go out to pubs and like see his friends and stuff. So nobody... He probably got even, more time in jail than the other guy. Oh, you'll see. Yeah. <laughs> that would make some amount of sense. Just saying. Yeah. The couple actually moved a few times with Natasha wearing a disguise every time. Um, and when she was discovered, she was actually living less than four kilometers, about two and a half miles away from her parents' house, which is just unbelievably awful. And I can't imagine how they must have felt. I'd be so felt. mad at my kid. Can you imagine? Like, you're so happy because they're not dead. But like, what the fuck? What the fuck? You know, this is genuinely nuts behavior. It seems that even if Natasha at any point had realized that she'd made a mistake, that the lie had just become like too big, especially once like now there's a murder trial going on. And, and also, if you do care about this person, even though it's messed up, the yeah. whole thing is messed up, you mm -hmm. know, they're going to go to jail now. Right. And so right. you don't want that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
During Leonard Fraser's trial, a police prosecutor told the courtroom that Fraser had not killed Natasha because she was still alive. Apparently, Natasha's fa- father almost collapsed when he heard the news because well, th- that's they didn't the tell first. Them? They didn't tell him. The guy, like, what? it sounds to me like this was like a movie scene where the guy ran in and he was like, she's not a victim. She's not dead, you know? What the hell is going on down there, Australia? Just, I don't know. Get your shit together. It's just wild. But think about it. The police were right the whole time. They said she ran away, and she did run away. No, but I mean, you don't tell the, you didn't tell the family? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. I don't understand Like, that call them immediately? Like, oh, you by the way. You would think they'd be called number one. Just to let you know. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, she says she doesn't want to come back. We can't make her talk to you. Mm-hmm. But she's alive and well, and you can stop looking. Yep. Yep. But yeah, apparently she and Scott concocted this whole entire plan by themselves, and this was what she wanted. See, that guy I needs to do some time in jail because she was a child. clearly a pedophile, right? Like, obviously. this is People not. don't think that's pedophilia. They don't think that's grooming. Like, when there's an age difference, like, a lot of people involved in it, they think, well, you know, I like older men. Or they think, well, well when she, you're 14, she was the same. into it or she Ugh. was willing and they were both willing and he right. loved her. And they, they don't think that's pedophilia. They think it's like you take some little three-year-old. That's pedophilia. Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. Even the like, oh, well, wait till she's 18. Like, that's not fucking disgusting. Like, come on. Ugh, it makes me very, very angry. Overnight, Natasha became a celebrity. She sold interviews and signed a contract for exclusive coverage of her story to PBL Media for $120,000. Surprisingly, she was not charged with anything other than causing a false investigation for which she was fined $1,000. Scott Black was only charged with perjury for claiming in court that he hadn't seen Natasha after her disappearance, and he served a year in prison and paid a fine of $16,000 during the investigation. So he did not get more time in prison than the other guy, even though he's a literal Well, he did because the other guy got two months at one point for rape. That's true. That's true. I mean, not overall he didn't, Mm, but for... An individual, yeah. For this, in which, I mean, it wasn't good, but it Mm -hmm. wasn't... This yeah. violent mm-hmm. attack yeah. that in who got two months. Right. Yeah. And he got a year. It's like, where is your where's your line, Australia? Yeah, I don't think they know. <laughs> I think they're pretty confused it's about all it, over to be honest. Place. Yeah. On January 1st, 2007, Leonard John Fraser died of a heart attack in Princess Alexandra Hospital after complaining of chest pains while in prison. Bye. Boo-hoo. In 2008, Natasha and Scott got married in front of 35 guests. They sold their wedding photos to a tabloid for $200,000. That worked out nicely for them. When asked why she'd done what she'd done, she said, I'm never going to say publicly why I left. I know why I left. I'm not sure my mom and my sister completely know all the reasons. I'm not sure it would make any difference saying why I left. I feel whatever I say wouldn't be good enough for the pain I've caused my family. Which might be true. Yeah, I don't, give it I a mean, shot, though, because we really want to know. We paid you $120,000, and you're you just You know what I say, think the reason Meh. is? I was 14. Yeah. My mom was telling me things I didn't want to hear. Yep. Like, I can't go be with my grown-ass boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I didn't want to go to school anymore, and it seemed like a much better idea at the time than it turned out to be, because mm-hmm. I was 14. Right. Yeah, I think that that's probably the reason. After their wedding, the the couple pretty much went off the grid in terms of media. Natasha reportedly changed her name to Tosh Black, which is pretty cool. I have to give her that. (laughs) Um, And the two have three children together. And that's the insane story of Natasha Ryan and Leonard John Fraser. That was a roller coaster ride. Wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's almost like her disappearance kind of kind of set off the whole manhunt for the serial killer. (sighs) A little bit. And 
she wasn't even one of the victims, no. but so I guess yep. that's it's fine. It's just, I think it's nuts that he confessed, like, with details. Which, like, was there some other, like, is well, there, there a body they didn't find? there must other girl. Find. He's like, oh, I right. guess that one must have been Natasha. Right. Because I was trying to, so I don't know how her school was, but, like, where, when I drop my son off, you have to go in yeah. this driveway, way yeah. down, and they have, like, armed police officers yes. at his school. They I think things are a little different now than they and were And you have to then. go right up to the student drop-off, and yeah. they go, and there's all teachers all along the way. So, and I'm still not saying something couldn't happen, right. but it would have to be an inside job at that point. Right. Yeah. It would have to be someone who's allowed to be in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or a parent or a bus, or somebody who's allowed to be in there. It's not like just someone passing by yeah. can get in and get at a kid. Yeah, yeah. But it's happened. Right. Those things have happened in schools. And Mm -hmm. even we had a case around here where the kid just went to do it, where it was the kid who killed the teacher. Oh, geez. Yeah. um, That's a terrible story. We'll we'll talk about that someday. But it's a little raw right now. And I'm I'm leery of doing things where people who are... Right. It's still Relatives. And and it's really... Yeah. It's really fresh. You know, that kind of thing. But... So that was a... I'm exhausted now. I know. Me too. <laughs> like emotionally. <laughs> I know. Anger. A serious roller coaster. Yeah. Oh, But that was a great story. Thanks for bringing that to us. Thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it, even as I, horrible as it was. I, now I, well, I don't think so. I think we have we have some Australian listeners, but not a lot. I, mm-hmm. I doubt there are any of them. But <laughs> probably I doubt Tosh Black listens to our podcast, but you never know. But she could. It's true. It's really good, Tosh. Listen to it. <laughs> So I did. I've done some brain bending ones lately. So I yes. just went. Uh, I took it easy this week. Oh, we're nice. just doing some straight up ghost stories. Oh, I love ghost stories. I do too. And there's no research involved. I'm just telling stories. I love that. That's my favorite kind of story. I, it's my to favorite. Be honest, too. Just yeah. Telling some ghost stories. So we already ruined cars. Yes. But I haven't yet ruined highways. Oh. Till today. Great. So we're going to talk about. Haunted highways. Not a thing I had ever thought about being haunted. To They're be haunted. Great and news. I have got about 15 or, or so here, but there I, I could have done hundreds. I had so many. I'm going to give my sources up. Oh, shoot. Thank you, you very much. Let me let you give your sources. <laughs> I appreciate that. I don't know how come I forget every single time. So I listened to an episode of the Shocking Details podcast from June of 2020, an article from TheAge.com, two articles from the Sydney Morning Herald, and an article on MamaMia.com by Michelle Andrews. All right. Now we can get back to your stuff. I'm sorry. And now we're going to do my sources. Insider.com, TravelChannel.com, TravelAndLeisure.com, UMaine.edu, Undiscovered Maine, Mm. Hidden Gems. Mm, debatable. <laughs> Is it a gem? I don't know. And zipcar.com. Going places. Explore these seven haunted highways at your own risk. Ooh, exciting. Okay, the first one I have is Route 2A in Aroostook County, Maine. 
Route 2A is known as a treacherous road for truckers, especially when its sharp turns are covered in ice and snow during the winter. Okay, yeah, this Favorite is scary thing already. Favorite about New England. Mm-hmm. The yeah. roads are all, there's no straight roads around here. They're all twisty and turny, and there's t- trees everywhere, and they get icy. And, and it's about wide snow, enough for one horse. And you can get, right, and yeah. it's like a one-horse mm-hmm. carriage type deal, and yep. Supposedly, many truck drivers have died while bringing potatoes to Boston on a dangerous turn. Okay, but let's be honest. potatoes? I mean, we need the potatoes. Yeah. I need the potatoes. I mean, and we just had potatoes. Oh, so we did. I feel like their sacrifice was worth it. I mean, I'm not going to go that far, <laughs> but I do love potatoes. I really do like potatoes. There's no other way to get potatoes to Boston, though? Yeah, you would think, like, maybe there are non-treacherous roads that like they take. Like, after the fifth, sixth potato driver dies on that turn, you think you just plot another route? Right. And are we sure these aren't haunted potatoes? Maybe. And why just potato truck? Like, I don't know. Truck drivers driving other stuff are fine? They're totally, yeah, no problems whatsoever. I don't know. Anyway, not a good road for potato truck drivers. Okay, very sp- If that is your job, <laughs> if you are specifically a potato truck driver, please be careful. Yeah, go very slowly around those curves. Let us be the Maine. first to tell you. <laughs> there have also been rumors of a woman screaming that her husband is trapped in a vehicle, but when travelers stop, the woman vanishes. That's scary. Yeah. Others have supposedly seen a little girl on the side of the road who was hit by a semi-truck long <gasps> ago. Oh, that is sad all around. I wonder if it was a potato truck. Ugh, all darn. Mm. It even inspired a country song called A Tombstone Every Mile. Wow, that is depressing as hell. Yep. Thanks, because there were music. so so many truckers have died on this road, right. on Route 2A, that they wrote a song about it. And it's a country song, so it has to be sad. Of course, yeah. Bloody Bride Bridge. <laughs> okay, well, they really, when they named it, I think that they had something in mind. <laughs> you're really you're really working mm-hmm. right there. And Boy Scout Lane, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. This Highway 66 bridge is known as Bloody Bride Bridge because according to local legend, a bride was killed in an accident here on the way to her wedding, and she continues to haunt drivers passing by at night. Nearby Boy Scout Lane is another supposedly haunted spot in Stevens Point because a troop of Boy Scouts allegedly disappeared here. However, there's no proof that this actually ever happened, Hmm. but it's an isolated dead-end road and it makes for an eerie setting. And apparently the Boy Scouts, it's called Boy Scouts Lane because the Boy Scouts bought it and they were going to make some sort of a camp area where they, you know, they have Mm -hmm. to go and earn all these badges and learn to do all this stuff. And they never set it up for some reason. So the rumor is that they had sent a troop out there to camp or whatever, and they all disappeared, so they just oh. abandoned the land. But there's no actual proof that that happened. Of course. So they're not really sure why they never developed that land, but I guess they still own it, and it's still Weird. called Boy Scout Lane, and it's just kind hmm. of there. So it does kind of seem like something happened. Right. It's are saying, bizarre. well, yeah. let's just not do anything. But I would think you could find records right. if a whole troop of Boy Scouts I disappeared. I think there would be, like, at least... An article. Or something about right. it. Right, yeah. Yeah. Riverside Cemetery, located on Oasis Street in Appleton, Wisconsin, is known for paranormal experiences. Some claim to have seen ghosts of past mourners dressed in old-fashioned clothing here. In the cemetery, visitors will find the tombstone of Kate Blood, another supposedly haunted spot, although many of the stories about her life and death are unfounded. Well, her name is Kate Blood. And I couldn't find too much more about her, just that people 
claim to, I guess, see her, and they think right. that's who she is, but I don't know why they think that's who that is, or it's just the urban yeah. legend. Yeah. Um, okay, so Route 66 again. Oh, boy. Route 66 is who, It's one of those streets, the uh, yeah. highway street, mm-hmm. not a street, yeah. it's a highway, that's got a lot of... Um, it's very long, right? So that makes sense. Is it sense. still a thing? Like, is it, is it all... I don't think it's as probably populated. I think that they've maybe built like bypasses around it so yeah. it's not used as much but yeah. I guess it's probably got like a lot of ghost towns or, or I think that's probably things true along. Yeah. so we'll take a road trip there someday great <laughs> we can do paranormal and murder <laughs> probably and we trip. may beat the crimes yep. but we'll see but we'll be on another podcast so mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm, worth it or our own we'll really kick it up a notch <laughs> we'll come back and then do <laughs> Route 66 Villa Ridge, Missouri the Tri-County Truck Stop located off Historic Route 66 and Villa Ridge has been abandoned for years, but ghost hunters continue to visit in hopes of experiencing the paranormal. According to Commercial Truck Trader, visiting mediums have suggested the truck stop is a portal to the other side of eternity, mm-hmm. where souls re-enter our world and attach their spirits to truckers whom they might possess in order to drive themselves home. That's creepy as hell. It is creepy, but has... That ever happened? Has right. a truck driver ever just shown up at somebody's at house and that person's dead and they're like, hey, I'm Bob and I'm coming home or I used to own this house 50 right. years ago. Get out. Me I, and my semi. I feel like there needs to be some documentation. Yeah, I, I think that's probably true. Stagecoach Road, Marshall, Texas. Several urban legends cite tragic events that have contributed to Stagecoach Road's haunted reputation. Some say they've seen the spirit of a woman wandering this road, spooking passersby. I would like to do that, though. I would like to spook passersby. Yeah. I think that would be fun. I mean, you could just do it live. Just like That's true. Put on this like really, really haunting white mm, makeup. I'm pretty pale. I'm not going to lie. I right? could probably do it. And then just the white dress mm-hmm. and then just kind of wander. Very slowly. The side of the road and then just stare. Maybe I will. At passing. If I ever have a free weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Which we don't have too many. Right. Exactly. If we get one, we'll Mm -hmm. do that. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good idea. Annie's Road in Totawa, New Jersey. Annie's Road is named for the ghost of a woman named Annie who, as legend has it, was hit by a truck and killed on her prom night in the 1960s. So that's not a woman. That's a girl. Yes, it is. Very different. Annie's Road is just a nickname. The street is actually called Riverview Drive. Some motorists have reported hearing screams, seeing mysterious fog, experiencing interference in their phones and cameras. Adding to the spookiness, the street borders Tatawa's Laurel Grove Cemetery. Mm, that does add to the creepiness. Route 44 in Rehoboth, Massachusetts. <gasps> we live in Massachusetts. We could drive on this. Except you might not want to. Shocking. After I tell you what happens there. Drivers on Route 44 have reported sightings of a redheaded man in a flannel shirt and jeans, which could be a lot of people around okay, here, I was to say, be honest. That just sounds like some guy. Who smiles eerily at passing cars. Again, just some guy. Could so be far. some guy. <laughs> but according to one account, the man faded out of the backseat after a driver picked him up, thinking he was a hitchhiker. Scary. He's said to mysteriously appear in empty back seats, and when he <gasps> leaves, your car radio will squawk with static and your car will shake. No, thank you. Sometimes they say you can hear his maniacal laughter through the noise. Well, I mean, he is doing a good job being creepy as hell. Can yeah. you imagine you're just like, doo-doo-doo, and then you look in your rearview mirror and there's you're a like, dude? That's like literally every horror movie, right? Yeah. 
Like, that's my nightmare. Yeah. Ugh. And then he also just disappears. I'd be like, did I hallucinate? I mean, if you recall or our listeners recall, we did the ghosts of um, Fukushima episode Mm -hmm. and that was happening. But those ghosts were super polite. Right. They're very nice ghosts. No maniacal laughter coming from them. Yeah. The story of the Route 44 ghost was popularized in the book, The New England Ghost Files by Charles Turek Robinson. Clinton Road in West Milford, New Jersey. According to legend, Clinton Road is haunted by a ghost boy. The ghost boy of Clinton Road lurks under the bridge and will return coins to people who throw them into the creek. Aww. He'll throw them back. <laughs> That's pretty funny, actually. I, I want to I try that. <laughs> Some visitors have reported seeing the boy's reflection in the water. No thanks. Mm-mm. And rumors of aliens and satanic cult activities also keep visitors on edge. Okay, well, yeah, that sounds like a lot of stuff happening yeah, over there. It sure is. Now, again, this one... I feel like you are just kind of asking for it. Shades of Death Road in Warren <laughs> County, New Jersey. <laughs> I mean, okay. some of these people, they got to do a little bit more work. You're just asking for it at this point. What, what do you expect on Shades of Death Road? <laughs> As if the name Shades of Death Road wasn't scary enough. Some say the street gets its name from a series of grisly murders that occurred there in the 1920s and 30s. By other accounts, the road is named for malaria outbreaks that occurred in the 1850s. But are you going to buy a house on Shades of Death Road? This is... It's a beautiful house. The price is right. The location is great. The school system's great. I'm not buying a house on, on Shades, Shades of, of Death, Death Road. Road. No. <laughs> not going to happen. Now, this one, they're trying. Kelly Road in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. Regular name. All right. Nothing scary happening here. I'm on board. Also known as the Mystery Mile. Okay. Getting a little freakier. (laughs) Paranormal activity in the area is attributed to the legend of a couple who is said to have died on the road after their carriage flipped over. According to the story, the woman's neck snapped and the man was crushed under the carriage in a slow, torturous death. People have reported hearing the sounds of a carriage crashing and cries for help. Here's another one I feel like you could have named it better. Dead Man's Curve in Claremont county ohio okay yeah you knew it was a curve you knew it was deadly you called it dead man's curve maybe build the road somewhere else at no point did you try to straighten the curve not even a little bit go around it's still dead man's curve so you're still just letting people die on Mm -hmm. this curve Mm -hmm. dead man's curve is a ubiquitous name for a dangerously sharp turn which we love around this area. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Let's make it as difficult as possible. Yep, too many big rocks. That's and our these problem. roads that we have now just went over like the cart paths. Yes. So these roads were built when it was even harder to maneuver your vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, but there wasn't, I think that there was not really as much like two way traffic, you know? They probably so... also didn't have the equipment we have to right. make a road just anywhere you wanted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you just probably had limited ability to haul. Yeah. trees and stones Blow out, so you rocks. just had to put yeah. the road where it would go. Mm-hmm. Probably. But I feel like we could have fixed it a long time ago yeah. at this point. Yeah, but we didn't. Nope. Here we are. At the intersection of Route 222 and Route 125, a faceless hitchhiker who died in a crash at the scene in the 1960s is said to appear on the road in the early hours of the morning. Faceless is creepy. Yeah, like where's that. your face? That's uh, That's terrifying. Riverdale Road between Thornton and Brighton, Colorado. 
One of the most well-known hauntings of this 11-mile road is Joggers Hill, where an undead jogger supposedly bangs on cars and leaves handprints on the windows. Okay, I don't like undead. I don't like jogging. I don't like handprints. I'm not into any of That's this. That's super aggressive. That's very aggressive. Why are you jogging? Because is anybody going to make me jog after I die? Because then I will also be banging on windows. That's what I'm saying. You know how they say, we were saying, oh, we'll sleep when, when we're dead. That's right. a saying. Well, apparently you We're going to jog? No, thanks. You're working. No, 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 no. You're jogging. Mm-hmm. You're trying to get help. You're just you're doing all kinds of things. You're Having throwing no coins face. back from the creek. I don't like it. It's exhausting. It is exhausting. Route 666 in New Mexico. See? Okay. Come on. Come on. This is just dial 1-800-C. You're not even like, trying now. No, not even a little. Although it has been renamed. Ah, I wonder why. <laughs> U.S. Route 491, formerly Route 66, also known as the Devil's Highway. I cannot, I cannot <laughs> imagine why it would be called that. How are so many people dying on this Route 66, a.k.a. the Devil's Highway? I just don't understand it. Known as the Devil's Highway because of its number and the relatively high fatality rate along the New Mexican stretch, some drivers Both? have... Jesus. Yep. Some drivers have reported being chased by hellhounds. Oh, you didn't mention the hellhounds. No, well, that's, a, that's a new development. Supernatural dogs that represent death in some cultures, or all cultures, because mm-hmm. they're hellhounds. It's called a hellhound. I think we can all pretty much figure yeah. it out. Or seeing a ghostly semi-truck on fire, according to Commercial Truck Trader. I guess truckers are just calling this stuff into Commercial like, uh, Truck Trader. See Got the ghost another truck one. Again. Ugh, it's on fire. Oh my goodness. All right, gotta go. Being chased by a hellhound. <laughs> Call you back later. Sand Hill Road, Las Vegas, Nevada. The tunnels underneath Sand Hill Road in Las Vegas are supposedly haunted with reports of eerie noises. Although there isn't a ton of evidence to back these claims up. I'm not sure how this one got in there. And when I was reading it, I didn't delete that one because it just seems like there might people be just creepy hear tunnels under the tunnels. There's probably just things going on under the tunnels. Right. That's entirely possible. Okay. That might not be paranormal. But you, you can go on Sand Hill Road. I think you're pretty yeah, safe. You're going to be all right. Route 375 in Rachel, Nevada, also known as the Extraterrestrial Highway. Oh, okay. Route 375, oh, passes by super secret Area 51. <gasps> it's like the worst kept secret in the world. But... It's pretty unsecret, I have to say. Well, I guess the fact that it's there is not a secret, but mm-hmm. if you try to get in there, they'll shoot you. Yeah. And they have signs up saying that, and they'll stop you and give you a warning and say, if you don't turn back now, we'll shoot you. Interesting. And I feel like... That's not how you keep people from Wanting thinking to you're up inside. to something. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think you're right. I wonder if anyone's tried to fly like drones in there. I wonder what happens. Oh my God, they get blown up. Do they, do they just get shot down? Yes, 100%. Because yeah. you're tech, my dad was telling you, you technically are supposed to have like an FAA license to fly a drone. So yeah, <laughs> bye bye drone. <laughs> when at our old house, we had a drone and my husband said, oh, it would be fun to put a GoPro on this thing and then just fly it around and see what our neighbors are up to. I said, oh, that's super illegal. Yeah, that doesn't. I mean, people do it. And he said, really? And I said the same thing. No, I'm sure people do it. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm a good girl, so I'm not going to do it. So Route 375 isn't, it isn't really ghostly, but UFO seekers drive along the road all the time and drivers have reported seeing mysterious lights and aircrafts mm-hmm. in the sky. But, I mean, we know that the Air Force is there. I think right. that they're just working on their experimental stuff. Right. And they don't want anyone knowing what 
they're doing and right. they don't want these things getting and out. And I feel like if you're like down by Area 51, you're like kind of primed, right? To like think you're going to see something yeah. creepy and alien, you know? So also my thing is, if there really are extraterrestrials and we really are in touch with them or we really are reverse engineering stuff, I would move it all somewhere else. Yeah. Have nothing at Area 51 and make a whole big deal about it anytime someone came there. Definitely. So everybody's looking at Area 51 and we're at, you know. Area 52. Yeah, exactly. Area yeah. 64. Ooh. They'll never look for us here. <laughs> and, and me, yeah, so it's like just a huge decoy. That, right. that is my theory if there really is anything to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So either the experimental stuff they don't want getting out to our enemies or the whole thing's a big goof yeah and while everybody's looking over here we're over here doing yeah i mean yep. i'd probably do that anyway have the experimental stuff someplace no one even knows about mm-hmm. yep yep which maybe that's what area 51 was yeah ortega ridge road montecito california keep an eye out for the ghosts of three nuns Ooh. known as las tres hermanas the three nuns i'm very sorry that was a <laughs> Real, the three sisters, but three yeah, sisters. same. That that was worse pronunciation. I'm not even going to try to pretend <laughs> pretend I can pronounce it. I can barely pronounce English right now, <laughs> much less any other language. They were killed by highway bandits on Ortega Ridge Road. Some say their apparitions can be spotted by the side of this road, according to Commercial Truck Trader. Oh, Commercial Truck Trader. This is, I think, my new favorite magazine or I, whatever this is. <laughs> truckers must just be writing into this uh, magazine all the time when they're reading it i'm a little more concerned about but yeah that's very interesting prospectors road garden valley california california is dotted with historic ghost towns so it makes sense that a few gold rush era spirits would stick around according to local legend this road in garden valley is haunted by a miner killed for his gold i feel like that must have just happened all the time constantly yeah hauntings in the moonlight Chicago's Archer Avenue is said to be one of the most haunted roads in America, perhaps because of two nearby cemeteries. Once it was an Indian path chosen for its alleged magnetic power. I'm not sure how we always know this. I always say this Mm. whenever I say Indian burial ground. Sometimes they've actually dug up bones and artifacts and they know for sure. But... Yeah, sometimes it seems I like don't, it just gets decided. We haven't put a whole lot of emphasis on valuing Native Americans and their history and their land and their pretty much anything else. Right. So I don't know how much effort we've ever put into knowing where exactly. their paths were and their villages and their right. burial grounds. Like, we were like, who cares? It, we're Mine here. Knows. Right. Yeah. Today, nighttime travelers sometimes report seeing eerie hooded figures on Archer or phantom hearses or disappearing Mary, the ghost of a girl killed by a hit-and-run driver. This is a very busy road. It sure is. Oh, my goodness. And so I've got a ton more here, but we're going pretty late. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm getting the wrap-it-up sign. <laughs> <laughs> Get this. So we're just going to do one more, and this is another one where I feel like you could have known by the name mm. this was going to be a problem. Could dark tunnels be passageways for dark spirits? In Hawk Point, Missouri, residents say a ghostly man haunts Satan's Tunnel. I wonder why. (laughs) I wonder who it could be in Satan's Tunnel. (laughs) An old underpass draped with twisting vines and other vegetation. Amateur ghost hunters have parked outside another abandoned tunnel in Churchill, Tennessee. Hmm, Churchill? We're trying to to counteract Satan's Tunnel with the Churchill. 
hoping to see the ghost of a madman said to pop in and out. No thanks. Mm-mm, no. Why are you hoping to what, see that? Go the, home. What's the popping? I don't. Stop mm-hmm. popping. Don't I don't pop like that. In, pop it. You can pop out. Just stay out. Yes. Agreed. Many found themselves stranded there when they try to leave, unable to start their cars. When their engines finally crank, they see the madman's terrifying figure in their rearview mirrors when they start to back up. Shocking. Oh my goodness. So I've got a ton more here, but I'm going to put up all my links so you can go read all about these haunted highways. Basically, every solid inch of the earth is haunted, I'm pretty sure. Great, great. Well, thank this you very was, much. Those are really oh, interesting. You're very welcome. Do I don't want to I had a hard time pr- pronouncing things. Me too. On the, I don't know why. I feel you. I don't know what the problem was. Well, the problem was they have stupid names. But mm, well, yeah. I mean, Satan's extraterrestrial Tunnel. Extraterrestrial Highway <laughs> Satan's Tunnel. Come on. Route 666. Try like a little harder. Work you know? with me. Seriously. Yeah. It's like you want there to be portals everywhere. That's 1,000%. Do want them. Mm. a little mm-hmm, bit, mm-hmm. a little bit. If you want to go check them out, that's cool. I'll be at home. Um, I do have to drive on the highway to get home. We're going on our oh, road God trip. Damn it. Your highway is not on any list that I saw. We'd have to go a little out of our way to get to any of the highways, okay. which we can do. We can no, do thanks. That. I'm all set. On Halloween. <laughs> or the next full moon. The next full moon. Ooh, no thanks. Let's go drive on a haunted highway. Okay, you take pictures. Show me later. Okay. Perfect. Show you the visage of a scary guy in the... Exactly. A redheaded man wearing flannel. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you can find one on Halloween. I mean, there's tons of redheaded men wearing flannel around. Everywhere. In all New England. Place. Yeah. But, well, I had fun doing this podcast. You want to come back and yeah. do another one with me in a couple of weeks? I definitely do. Thanks so much. Sounds like fun. It does. Let's go get some tiramisu. Oh, yes, please. If you enjoyed this episode and want to be part of the conversation, join our social media community on Facebook and Instagram at Cul-de-Sac Insomniac, Twitter at CDSI Pod. If you have a story you'd like us to cover or an experience of your own you'd like us to feature on the podcast, let us know at cul-de-sacinsomniac at gmail.com. If you follow us on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and a good review. Say something nice about us. It makes us feel good. It helps with the algorithm. And you can go to our website at cul-de-sacinsomniac.com where you can read our show notes and listen to the podcast. And you can sign up for our newsletter. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.